0: Hey, good news! We've added the Tech on Tap podcast to Google Play, so if you want to listen there, look us up. This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we update you on the latest storage grid announcements, including the industry's first all-flash scale-out object store. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast
1: with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company.
0: The box. The box. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio with me today. Uh, we have the Storage Grid folks. Hi, folks. Hi. Is that? A, hi! You didn't say hi right away. I was wondering if you're angry at me. <laughs> yeah. Was it something I said or did before the, we started recording? Uh,
2: I, I just or you thought just we pretty, deserved a better run-up than that.
0: <laughs> I don't have anything better. Disappointed? Have you listened to the podcast? I don't have anything better. <laughs> That's m- as
2: good as it gets. No music. Well, that no. comes in after. I oh, usually, okay. yeah, okay. It,
0: you know. So, but you know, now that we can't talk about the code name, I can't use that. Music I was going to use, so yeah. we to talk about something we have to do something different so on the on the uh, mics there with us, Duncan Moore and Morgan Mears are here today, so Duncan, what do you do here at NetApp So I lead the product management and technical marketing teams
2: for object storage at NetApp all right and uh, how do we reach you if you want to reach you? Uh, let's see Twitter I am NC dunk with a C instead of a K and uh, you know I don't know if we do emails on these I always forget, but you know. Uh, Duncan. More at netapp.com Yeah, if I mean, any questions. Emails
0: really at your discretion. It's, All right. Well, I guess I discressed. <laughs> Way to discrest. <laughs> it's very discreet. Uh, also on the phone or on the phone, on the mic with us. Uh, we, we only do live today. Uh, Morgan Mears. Hi, Morgan. <laughs>
1: Hey Justin, um, I am a principal engineer with StorageGrid, um, technical lead on our uh, platform team, which is based here in uh, RTP. Uh, we're responsible for all of StorageGrid's uh, hardware platforms as well as our Docker only and uh, VMware uh, deployment options. And uh, would you like for people to reach you? Uh, well, I, I don't uh, don't do the tweeting. Um, uh, <laughs> do you want me to forward any emails <laughs> I get from Morgan? No, I'll give it. My, my email is morgan.mears at netapp.com. That's m e a r s. All right, and uh, Morgan, I mean, I don't I don't want to push the issue here, but
0: I mean, who's your favorite neighbor?
1: uh well you know jason and jillian no you you're my favorite neighbor sweet
0: (laughs) i'm making him say that because you know we're in the he actually lives in my neighborhood he's two doors down and he has awesome halloween decorations every year that terrify my child (laughs) but that's okay he's only six anyway
1: so this year we we added the animated torso i don't know um he noticed that (laughs) (laughs) why is that body moving well, son.
0: <laughs> the
2: the danger of living by a
0: hardware guy. <laughs> yeah. Lots of lots of good stuff there. He also has a climbing wall in his basement, apparently. I don't know mm-hmm. if you knew this.
1: Yeah, my 8-year-old uh, my uh, uh, climbs nonstop, so um, I built an 18-foot-long climbing wall. Um, but that's really just a bridge between both ends of the monkey bars that are attached to the ceiling. There you go. So he's got a regular gymnastics room
0: down there in the basement. So uh, we're not here to talk about that, though. We're here to talk about Storage Grid. Uh, so Duncan, we have something new to talk about. Yeah, we got all kinds of new stuff.
2: Well, what do we have to it's, talk about? It's been six months, so that means there's lots of cool. Oh, absolutely. New stuff. Absolutely. So uh, at Insight this year, which was last week, depending on when this podcast uh, comes out, we launched our uh, our, our announced our eleven point three release of Storage Grid. So lots of goodness in the software. And in Reason Morgan's here, we uh, we added a lot to the hardware and appliance lineup for Storage Grid as well. So lots of cool stuff to talk about.
0: So we announced something at Insight: uh, the all-flash Storage Grid device, the industry's first scale-out all-flash. Oh, storage. I didn't introduce storage that right appliance. at all. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. industry's first all-flash. <laughs> now, so why uh, is that? Why s- is that scale-out in- all-flash? So why is that
2: advantageous? <laughs> Um, well, I'll give my point of view, and then you know I'll, I'll have Morgan correct me. But you know, object storage workloads have been evolving over the last several years. So if people haven't been paying attention, you might still be thinking about object as cheap, deep, and slow, and backup targets, archive targets, which you know you can still use it for that. But we are seeing an increase in uh, object storage workloads that require performance, high concurrency, dealing with. You know, massive amounts of small objects. Think things like streaming sensor data out of a, a high-tech manufacturing line is an example. And, uh, you know, we felt uh, after, you know, we saw several customers actually build their own using our software deployment methods that maybe it's time for us to do something here.
1: Yeah, just to add to that, um, y- you see all of these applications that have grown up in in the cloud speaking S3 natively um are needing higher and higher performance right the, uh, the this is the trend i think that uh, the, that we we're, we're trying to capture the the ml applications iot applications as duncan mentioned um and uh at some point, uh, you, you want to get the, prem, the performance that you, can, you really can only get with on, on-prem um, to, to cut, out the, uh, cut out the network hops. Um, and, uh, and with our flash appliance, uh, we're, we're putting storage grid even further in the lead. We're already uh, one of the highest performing on-prem object stores, uh, and this uh, puts us even further ahead.
0: So with the object store being all flash, I mean, were you seeing that latency was not on the network? Uh, but actually, on the you know transfer to disk and back, I mean, what's your what are you actually saving there?
1: Yeah, for sure. The uh, I mean the the first bullet point on this appliance is a fifty percent reduction in in latency. We definitely are on our uh, on our compute heavy platforms like the SG sixty sixty. We are IOPS bound um, by the uh, by the hard drive. So the the flash uh, obviously eliminates uh, eliminates that uh, that uh, seek latency. So, are these performance SSDs or the capacity SSDs? They are uh, uh, TLC, so they're they're um, towards the capacity end of things. They're the same uh, uh, SSDs that E Series uh, uses. Yeah, because I mean, it wouldn't make sense to throw like your highest performing
0: drives in the, into a, an appliance that's mostly going to be scale out capacity. Yet. yet, not yet. yet. Yeah, yet.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I also, you know, we didn't touch on this, but. This isn't just about building all flash grids, right? So, you know, one of the key things we've talked about probably in the last four storage grid podcasts is we have this unique ability to put data at the right place at the right time at the right performance tier automatically with our policy engine. So now with this new, you know, performance class of appliance, you can build pools of you know, flash appliances within your massive namespace and utilize those only when
0: it makes sense. Okay, it, I guess what it also does is save you footprint right? You're getting more dense capacity as opposed, I mean, with SSDs, you're getting, you're able to squeeze more terabytes into a drive as opposed to a spinning disk in most cases?
1: Uh, it's possible. That's not really the uh, the the primary goal here because the, uh, as you know, the, the denser SSDs are, are very expensive. Um, the uh, we, we would expect um, customers who are interested in uh, high-performance small object workloads to be drawn to this platform uh, uh, uh uh, mostly, it's more about the uh, about the performance, especially for uh, high numbers of objects uh, of small size. But I, I don't object to people buying these appliances with massive SSDs in them.
2: <laughs> I'm all for that. But I think we've got other stuff that we can talk about here that we also launched at Insight to talk to that super high capacity. You don't want me to keep talking about the drives? We could keep talking about the drives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you ask me about NVMe now?
0: So what about NVMe?
2: <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. No, no.
1: All right. So, um,
2: <laughs> but Not you yet. could be the first object Not store yet. with NVMe. And, and yeah, NVMe S
0: three. Yeah. Now. Okay. Uh, so moving on. Uh, so the new release. What's in that? Uh, So we're not done with hardware yet. No, I Mm -hmm. thought we were done. No, no, no. uh,
2: You're
1: only 30. Uh, Whatever, man. Backtrack. (laughs) (laughs) We doubled the size of our hardware portfolio with this uh, Insight announcement. All right. So tell me about that. Well, beyond the SGF6024, which is the all-flash appliance, uh, we have two additions to our portfolio. Um, And the first one is support for expansion shelves off of our existing SG6060 appliance. That's the uh, 4U uh, 60 drive uh, appliance with a 1U compute node. We now support three 4U 60-drive shelves uh, with that same single compute node. So we're uh, up to uh, triple the capacity, triple the spindles. Um, with the 16-terabyte uh, drives that should be coming early next year, uh, that gets you up to uh, well over a petabyte uh, per node. Yeah. And so,
2: you know, raw capacity right now with existing, we're over two petabytes with three expansion shelves on here. And, uh so this is a fantastic platform for customers that are doing things with large objects. So think, you know, media and entertainment workflows or uh, people in life sciences dealing with large object sizes, maybe in genomics. So uh, this is a, a great way to build your, you know, 400 petabyte grid.
0: So as far as these small objects versus large objects, is there a difference in how storage grid performs with each of those? Or are they about the same performance for, for both of those? We, we characterize performance differently.
2: Um, you know, at a, at a certain point, when we're talking about large objects, you're really talking about throughput, um, because the majority of the time is spent pushing the bytes of the object itself. When you're talking about small objects, we're talking about uh, objects per second, right? And, and because at that point, the metadata operations and things that are going on influence the overall performance. We've made significant performance improvements and we weren't slow to begin with, but uh, in small object performance over the last two releases. And over the last two releases, we've more than tripled our small object capabilities. Large objects, we've always been, I would characterize it as industry leading. Um, we're certainly there on small objects as well.
0: I would imagine throwing all flash at this would reduce the latency of the small, small objects and increase that performance even more.
1: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Um, I think the other uh, the other thing worth noting about these platforms and our software releases in general, when it comes to performance, uh, uh, unlike many other products, because of where we came from as an object store, where cheap and deep, as Duncan said, was uh, was the driving principle. Um, our software gets better and better every release performance-wise as we move into these performance spaces. So you buy these appliances now when you upgrade to 11.4, 11.5, rather than getting slower, as will often be the case with other software products, uh, they're going to get faster. Um, because we've got a lot of deliberately we design in uh, when we do the hardware because uh, we, we lead the, the software somewhat. We, uh, we deliberately design in uh, extra CPU headroom, extra IO headroom, um, so that when the software catches up, the platform gets gets even better. You're telling me you don't want people to upgrade and then complain immediately about how much slower it is. <laughs> uh, that is not our desire now. Well, I don't know, Duncan. You, Duncan's the yeah. PA. I'd rather not do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a good idea to me. I mean, um,
0: whatever. It, it's worked in laptops for years. And yeah, years absolutely. And years, right. <laughs> hey, slow down, guys. You're working too
1: fast. <laughs> so what else we got? So the first two appliances that we talked about are variations on a theme in the sense that we've been offering storage node appliances uh, for for years now. Um, but the third one uh, is is exciting for me. So it's our first non-storage node appliance. Uh, you know, storage grid um, is made up of uh, of three or four different node types. Um, uh, admin node, storage node, uh, gateway or load balancer node, um, as well as an archive node for tape tiering. And uh, until now, you've had to deploy your admin nodes, your gateway nodes uh, as VMs or Docker containers, even as you deployed uh, turnkey storage node appliances. But with the SG1000, which we also announced at Insight, uh, that changes. Um, The SG1000 supports both the admin node and the gateway slash load balancer node uh, functions of the grid. So it is now for the first time possible to deploy an appliance-only storage grid, a complete turnkey, order it, rack it, stack it, turn it on, and start ingesting objects. Um, No need to uh, interface with your virtualization team with your networking team or at least the interfacing with the networking team becomes a lot simpler Um, it is uh, just for the degree to which it reduces installation friction uh, it's a it's a cool thing Uh, and in addition to that concurrent with the release of the hardware appliance the SG 1000 uh, we have added uh, significantly enhanced load balancing capabilities to the product so I'm sure uh, your listeners uh, are mostly probably aware of the uh, on tap fabric pools uh, feature, um, which allows ONTAP possibly to uh, to tier out to uh, to S3 targets, and and uh, I, I for one recommend uh, storage grid as as that S3 target. I, why would you do that? <laughs> well, it's the best. Uh, <laughs> that, yes, uh, the fastest and the cheapest. Uh, I
0: think absolutely. Uh, you don't get charged back when you pull the data back. You don't have licensing fees. I digress. <laughs> <Continue>. <laughs> uh,
1: but the uh, an obstacle or or some friction that we've run into with uh, fabric pools installation is that on tap uh, requires a high reliable high reliability S3 target. It, it basically you can provision only one URL to uh, to push to. You. With storage grids architecture where we have multiple gateways with different host names uh, and and customers typically would use DNS load balancing, we were requiring the insertion of a third-party load balancer between ONTAP and Storage Grid. That just added complexity and cost and, and time to and friction to the install. So we've fixed that with our load balancing capability that we've added to on the SG-1000 and also our software-only load balancing nodes. Uh, we now offer H a load balancing so you can have a pair of these things, uh, single uh, virtual IP single DNS entry uh, supporting failover basically it takes the place of the the f five or the H a proxy that uh, some customers were using in these situations it 's not a general purpose load balancer um, is is uh, is the reason why it doesn't need to, to be uh, uh, quite as complex and therefore quite as expensive as a general-purpose third-party load balancer. It's storage grid only, um, but it does storage grid really well. Um, it has uh, this smart load balancing capability uh, where it takes into account knowledge of the state of the grid, uh the the busyness of the various storage nodes et cetera um uh, and more coming in the future to make uh better load balancing decisions than can be made by an external uh load balancer so does it do also do round robin if you choose can you configure it to do that or does it fall back on that if it's everything's even you can so the the way you would architect round robin um there there's multiple choices but uh but probably what you would do is have HA pairs of I'm just going to say SG1000 uh, at uh, multiple sites and then use uh, DNS round robin amongst those they're all HA so you don't have to worry about the the relatively long uh, failure detection period that's often a problem with uh, with DNS round robin um, so that's what you would do it it, it doesn't uh, Internally, um, it selects uh, destinations um, based on heuristics uh, on load and such. It won't won't just uh, won't just do round robin. Okay, so like CPU and throughput
0: factors into that as well. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. So it's interesting that you are uh, creating all these new appliances. When I guess for a while there, it was a movement towards software defined. Is there a shift? that's going back to to people wanting that simplicity of the appliance, or is this just another option?
2: So. Uh, you know, our our go-to-market is, you know, this is a software-defined object storage platform, right? And, and it remains, it's the same bits and same capabilities, whether you deploy it on our appliances or in Docker containers or in a VMware environment, right? But the behavior we've seen by our install base is that probably 90 you know, 90%, I'm just going to throw a number out there, uh, of the petabytes deployed are sitting in the appliances. And, and that's just a preference for simplicity at scale. We still, do, uh, we still do a lot of software defined, but that tends to be early in the deployment life cycle for a lot of customers, where they might be doing a, a demo or a POC environment. They just, you know, they just need to fire something up and test their apps and make sure this thing's gonna work. But when it comes time to grow, people
0: continue to choose the appliances. And what about a cloud presence? I mean, do we have any sort of cloud version of Storage Grid that we can go to so we can tier across clouds? Or is that – what are we doing with that? We do something much better, right? Oh, tell me. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, we could run Storage Grid in the cloud, and, and we've had Storage Grid in, you know, the Amazon Marketplace in the past. And, you know, largely it's, again, to let someone have something quick and easy that they can do some testing with – but, you know, honestly, why do I want to run storage grid in Amazon when Amazon has S3? Wouldn't it be much better for us to have native integration points that you can, you can leverage the value of everything the cloud brings without, you know, paying for an extra layer there and tie that into your on-premises object storage? And, and that's what the, you know, that's our multi-cloud strategy we've chosen. Our multi-cloud is not run our bits everywhere, but leverage the unique value of these different clouds. So. Amazon is an example, um, and this is not new to us. We've had this for several releases. We can build workflow that, you know, we can bring your cloud compute from Amazon to bear directly on your object storage on-premises through our native integration with Amazon's Simple Notification Service, or SNS. We can bring your data directly to the Amazon cloud using Cloud Mirror, which is very similar to SnapMirror, and it's a logical asynchronous, in this case, S3 bucket-to-bucket replication. Um, We can also tier, where you can, you know, I don't have two data centers. I want to have that extra copy somewhere. I don't plan on using it, so I need it to be cheap as possible. We can put stuff into Glacier and tolerate the Glacier latencies on the way back. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, now we're, we're starting to merge into what, what have we delivered in the software side. We added another cloud uh, uh, this last week in our announcement that we can now tier to Azure Blob as well. And that's part of the 11.3 release. Yeah. And
0: Azure Blob, that doesn't necessarily speak S3, right? That speaks something else? It speaks Azure Blob. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's just their own special, which I don't understand that decision, right? I mean, why not have a standard protocol? Why create your own? But whatever.
2: It it works. It works. There's adoption there. There's a lot of people sitting with Azure credits, and we're giving them another way to use those.
0: But it also gives a challenge if you want to move things between clouds, right? So how, how does Storage Grid handle moving something from Azure Blob to, uh, to an S3 bucket.
2: So, again, with our policy engine, we decide where things live um, at any given point of time. Maybe something stays hot within the grid, maybe super hot. It's sitting in a flash tier for the first 60 days, and it cools off and sits in these super dense 60-60 configurations. Maybe a year later, we say tier it to Glacier well, maybe our negotiations with our cloud vendors change and I now have a business reason that this needs to go to uh, Azure Blob. I can change my policies. The data can be tiered back out to Azure Blob and I can expire the data from the the Glacier tier.
0: So with this all-flash storage grid, are we able to incorporate tiering into the same storage grid, Uh, architecture, right? Have it have things tear off to spinning drives within the same store. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. It's the same policy method uh, that I can say, hey, um, you know, this stuff shouldn't be in the UK anymore because they're not part of the EU. It automatically needs to go to Germany. I can use a similar policy that says, hey, this stuff isn't hot anymore. It hasn't been accessed in so many days. Or I define the hot period as 30 plus days or something. And now I move it from this high performance pool of flash into, you know, my next economic tier, probably 60-60s with lots
0: of shelves. Do you have an indefinite policy because we're not really sure when the UK is no longer part of the EU? Or <laughs> <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you, can, good.
2: you can go change these policies whenever you
0: want. That's good. Yeah. That's good. You can just flip the bit whenever it finally happens. Yep.
1: I just wanted to add something to your question about our appliances because I thought that was an insightful uh, question. I think we we benefit heavily from, from our architecture, which uh, which is, is Docker-based. So at, at the end of the day, our nodes are containers. And you can deploy them as containers, or you can deploy them as VMs running containers, or you can deploy them as hardware running uh, containers. So our customers know. I mean, I think the, the the movement away from physical appliances was all about avoiding vendor lock-in. Um, our customers know that uh, we, we're starting with this uh, this container, so they're they're free of lock-in because we move from software out to hardware, but. We're also in the best position to provide engineered uh, solutions uh, with the full-stack support. Um, So at the end of the day, uh, it makes sense to to buy both the software-defined solution and the hardware from the same same people. I think uh, that is how I view the fact that we're successful with appliances, even in a world uh, that is uh, demanding software-defined. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to deploy it yourself, but also I would imagine that the appliances are somewhat optimized based on the hardware to well, work yes. the best with the storage or That's software. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And if you, it's rare, but if you have a problem, um, there's one phone number to call. You don't have to figure out whose problem it is, um, and uh, as your first step, you call NetApp, and uh, no matter what it is, we'll fix it for you. So if I have a storage system that I. Absolutely despise that I, just, I no
0: longer want to use it. Right? I'm like, okay, can I can I repurpose that in the storage grid? Yep,
2: yeah, absolutely.
0: So uh, not naming names, but I have some. In yeah,
2: mind. <laughs> I mean, we we do have some guidelines, right? So, for instance, if you're deploying software defined, you know, we have recommendations for core counts and memory and so on. And likewise, if you're going to deploy somebody's storage other than NetApps, we say it has to have some level of hardware-based disk protection. So think it has to have a, a RAID card of some kind in there. But we do have customers that have uh, rolled storage grid in and started first by grabbing orphan storage from all over the place and provisioning it up through their you know, VMware environment, as an example. It's the beauty
0: of the hyper-converged world. You don't mm-hmm. have to keep the hardware doing the same stuff it was doing. Yep, absolutely. All right, what else is new?
2: Uh, so we talked about performance. We talked about Azure tiering. We we introduced all three of the appliances. Uh, you know, the the gateway or IP load balancer, you know, talked about the hardware. The software is what makes that all happen. Morgan, Morgan covered that. We've added added a new encryption capability called SSEC, which is a standard S3 or Amazon implementation. You can think of this like uh, bring your own key per object encryption. So it's an option for our customers that don't want to use the NetApp uh, built-in storage grid encryption. We can can encrypt uh, at the grid level for you. We manage the keys. Maybe that's not the way you want to do things. Maybe you need better application granularity and key external key management. Then SSEC is a new capability. Um, we've improved our uh, our alerting capability. So uh, we've never been shy about alerting. I would say, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I'd certainly I'd certainly say it's better than the alternative of not sending alerts. But we tend to be a bit verbose, and and we've you know we've made uh, some. Some nice changes to not just the UI, but also the the ability to configure your alerting for large environments so that you're paying attention to the things that need attention. And, you know, along with that, it wasn't part of the release, but, you know, it's a good time to talk about it because I probably won't be here next week, is... Where are you going, Duncan? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm you know, just you know, on a plane, I'm sure. Oh, but, okay. I, <laughs> but, I, didn't, I didn't know the podcast curse was striking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 dude. Friday's my 20th year at NetApp. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I hope to make it to Friday. I, I, um, hope, I hope you do too. Yeah. So we added auto case creation uh, in our support center based on events that we're sending from Storage Grid as well. And that's well, it's not tied to 11.3, it's something that's come out since the last time we chatted. So I thought I'd bring that up too. So, supportability, performance, Azure blob tiering, lots of new appliances. I guess that's about it.
0: That's it? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. man. Expecting... But just wait
2: till next time.
0: No, just wait <laughs> six months from now, you're going to blow your mind. That's it. So uh, as far as these new changes, I would imagine that there were some uh, emerging markets that might have been in mind when, with these new changes. So what sort of markets are we looking at expanding into with storage grids changes? Yeah, I mean, I'd, and a lot of this is triggered by
2: install-based customers that are trying to use their grid in new ways, right, as well as going after new markets. So. Um, A a lot of this is just about massive performance and scale. So if you think about the kind of data driven in, uh, you know, the new automotive use cases, you know, sensor data from either self-driving cars or all the telematics in the automotive space, the amount of advancements that we've had in life sciences, in, you know, custom drug therapies and and genomics, these all benefit from an object approach where you can put – massive pools of data together with rich me- metadata and allow people to collaborate around the world. So that's, that's the direction all of this is going. And, you know, for us, it's pretty simple. It's, you know, performance and scale. Um, and, you know, making this as easy as possible to, uh, to do things at scale you never thought you'd need.
0: What's your scale looking like these days? Is it unlimited or is there a, is there a cap?
2: Uh, yeah, I'd say you know, putting on my marketing hat, I'd say it's absolutely it's unlimited. But now you know, I could put an asterisk and say, um, you know, with the new with the new appliances, with current shipping. Uh, drives you know, when this Every time we bump the drive size up This gets bigger We're looking at around 400 petabytes raw uh, Per single namespace But now keep in mind All of these multi-cloud capabilities we have Apply to storage grid Talking to storage grid as well So I can federate namespaces So when we talk about that Then yeah, scale is unlimited Just bring it, you know, we can do it Bring it,
0: <laughs> storage <laughs> grid Bring it
2: yeah, that's it. Maybe I'll talk to marketing
0: and then maybe that's the new Yeah, I, I offer up all sorts of marketing slogans that never actually pan out. But hey, <laughs> go for it. For the
2: folks that uh, weren't at Insight, which was in in real time last week, uh, we had a lot of courses there. And what you need to remember is uh, if, you, if you were there, uh, you have access to download all of those great Storage Grid classes with the voiceovers and all that, even if you didn't attend those sessions. So... I'd urge you to do that. Um, I'd also say if you weren't there um, and you kind of want to get an update from, you know, your SE or partner team as to what was talked about at Insight, I'm sure they'd be more than happy to give you an update on all kinds of uh, material, technical material supporting the announcements we
0: just talked about. So my understanding is these sessions at Insight were much more widely attended than normal. So what what sort of difference are we talking about there? Object storage is cool now, man. Well, yeah, but, I mean, how many how many people, like, uh, what so, percentage of people would you say were there uh, as opposed to last so year? So
2: every, uh, to my understanding, and this was my first, maybe it's because this is the first year I wasn't the track lead for Object. Maybe that explains why I was successful. I'm, I'm just putting that together in my head now. Oh, my gosh. I thought you'd have the so, numbers because you're the track yeah, lead, but you're not. Um, when it, oh. So Steve, on, uh, Steve P. on my team was the track lead this year, and we did, I think, uh, seven, Breakouts that were repeated multiple times. And in fact, we had to add new sessions for multiple of them because they were sold out. Um, I think everything but one course was standing room only, even pavilion sessions. It's awesome.
0: So, yeah. Sounds so, like people so, are really interested in what you guys are doing.
2: It's. I think people are starting to realize there's more to object than backup and archive.
0: Yes, and, and, and people are starting to utilize it that way as well. Yep. Yeah, I was actually talking to someone in one of the VIP sessions, and I'm a NAS guy. We were talking about NAS, but he has a classified network, and he wanted to tier using Storage Grid, but also maybe do object-based access. And since he's on a classified network, the cloud really isn't possible right. for him right now. Yeah. So Storage grid's a good use case for those sorts of networks as well, like having something inside of a SCIF where you can control the you know the ingress and egress of the of the data.
2: Yeah. We're um and we're finding, you know, that's that's obviously another industry unto itself, right? Um, the, the types of public sector deployments. Um that that you want all the flexibility of a cloud, but there's no way the state is going in the cloud. And uh, so we've seen a lot of use cases there as well.
0: Any other interesting conversations you had about how people are using storage grid at InSight? I, yeah, I'm con- I'm constantly surprised. We did a lot of we call them
2: VIP sessions, but you know, think of these as customer meetings in in the little meeting rooms. But um, a lot of customers who I you know I understood what their workload was when they made their initial purchase two or three years ago, and then they're coming in and telling me, oh well, we're we're kind of doing this now, and it, some of these were. Uh, Industries that I would think I'd kind of classified as fairly conservative, maybe financial services, things like that, that are doing, you know, IoT to object, as an example, or um, someone that bought their grid for fabric pools, uh, fabric pool, and uh, before they could even deploy, they ran out of space because word got out in their organization that there was now an on-premises S3 capability and anybody who needed a bucket could get a bucket. And... Uh, Oops. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> and I think <laughs> at, at the end of the day, they probably don't either because those people's needs didn't appear when Storage Grid appeared. They were just being hidden behind credit card swipes and expense reports. And now that shadow IT went away um, so I I we're hearing more stories like that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how uh people are already consuming the object interfaces, but they're they're kind of doing it behind the scenes there. Yep. Yep. So, Morgan, um, as far as any sort of tips and tricks you have for us with Storage Grid and the hardware, what sort of things would you recommend people do or not do with the hardware?
1: Sure. Well, I guess uh, the first thing is, uh, since we now have uh, quite a varied portfolio of appliances from a performance and size uh, perspective, I would say the sizer is your friend. Um, Make sure to... uh, Make sure to uh, check out the collateral that's available um, for determining the size of grid that you will need for the applications that you have in mind uh, based on uh, the... Uh, various platform options um that that is key uh to to make sure that you have a a, a good initial deployment uh, experience and I guess another thing um since I have the forum uh, customers, especially folks who have e series. Hardware um, recognize that uh, our appliances uh, contain e series components, and that 's true, but these are storage grid appliances the e series bits uh, it, you shouldn 't treat them like like plain old e series things like firmware upgrades uh, follow the storage grid processes to to avoid uh, having trouble that's that 's one of the issues that we encounter uh, uh, people treating storage grid appliances like their uh, standard uh, uh, sand systems. Uh, there, there is additional documentation that needs to be uh, be followed, uh, again, to ensure that you have the uh, best possible uh, uh, ownership experience. Let, let it be simple. Yes. <laughs> <So> <laughs> don't a, make it, it harder it, than it yeah, needs to be. Yeah,
2: don't make it harder than it needs to be. It's an appliance, and we'll take care of it for you is, yeah.
0: is the message there. Yeah. Absolutely. Do not taunt happy fun ball. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, if that's it. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today, talking to us about the newest release of Storage Grid as well as the new hardware. It's a very vast portfolio update here. Uh, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people were surprised at how much was out there. Uh, any, uh, if we want to reach you again, Duncan, how do we do that?
2: Uh, Morgan.Mears <laughs> at NetApp.com. Yeah, <laughs> All d- right. d- d- Duncan.More at NetApp.com. Yep.
0: Or NC
2: Dunk. NC Dunk on What's Twitter. To see? You can If you follow me on Twitter, you might get me over that 30 followers hurdle. I've been sitting at that for like three years.
0: What, what, the great part about following Duncan is that he, he never bothers you.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guarantee not to overwhelm your feed.
0: Yeah. And uh, Morgan, how, uh, we already know how to reach you. Duncan just told us. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Or you can just walk two doors down from my house and just <laughs> throw eggs at it. Thanks so much for joining us, guys.
2: Thanks very much. Thank you.
0: All right. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netappcom or send us a tweet at NetUp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via TechonTechPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Duncan Moore and Morgan Mears for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening.